0: Acts chapter nine. We'll start in verse thirty-two. The title for today is the Great Reset. (laughs) So (laughs) I've been watching this YouTube video uh, for the last month. This guy uh, named Ryan who's uh, going across America on a penny to deliver a penny to somebody in on the East Coast and. it's a fundraiser. And every time he gets uh, somebody donating 50000 he has to start all over back at a penny. So um, it's been very, very neat to watch. Um, but every time it happens or every time he talks about it, he says, The Great Reset. <laughs> you have to be there. Go ahead and watch it. It's funny. <laughs> at 2 in the morning, it's amazing. So, um, <laughs> and uh, So that's what we're talking about today is The Great Reset. And uh, verse 32, you'll see how it goes here in a second. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Then he rose immediately. And all those who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So here in Acts chapter 9, we know this is kind of a turning point as Saul, the persecutor of the church, uh, he gets saved. Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, knocks him to the ground, and salvation happens there in the life of Saul, a.k.a. Paul. And... And yet, Saul's not ready to be Paul at this point. Uh, he's still got some growing to do. He's got some learning to do. And you notice there in verse 31, we looked at it last week, the churches throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. When Saul left, he went to Arabia, Galatians 1 tells us. He went to Arabia and just some time with him and Jesus is the best we can tell. Some education there in the wilderness. And and because of that, the church was edified, had peace, and was multiplied in verse 31. So kind of a strange thing in the beginning of his ministry. The best thing that Saul could do is get off the scene, (laughs) you know. And, And God had other things for him at this moment. But we turn to Peter, back to Peter here in verse 32, and, and he's just kind of going around to all the churches and seeing how things are. The, the good news of what Jesus had done had spread. And so he goes back to check on the churches in, in the surrounding area. Um, as he goes through the, the country, he stops in a town called Lydda. And in verse 33, he encounters a man named Aeneas, now, we read here that Aeneas is bedridden for eight years. Uh, eight years is easy to read, isn't it? It's, it's not hard. It doesn't take long. Eight years. But for eight long years, Aeneas was unable to walk. He was paralyzed. He was unable to take care of himself. He was stuck in bed. And notice the healing here in chapter 9. 9. As Peter finds him and says, Jesus, the Christ, heals you. We'll talk about that in a second. Arise, make your bed. And he rose uh, immediately. So there is this man who is, well, sick. He's paralyzed. And one thing we understand as we read the Bible is that sickness seems to be a result of the fall, not the way God created it, not the way God made life. I think the reason why we think that is because we get to the book of Revelation and everything changes. When Jesus finally comes, sets up his kingdom, he sets all things right. And in Revelation 21, 4, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. That sounds nice. For the former things have passed away. And so in this in-between time, there's sickness, and we'll see there's death. And these things seem to be part of the fall. Life is difficult in this fallen world. Uh, It's hard. And yet God comes into this world, and it's the great reset, right? Back to the way things are meant to be. Uh, Sickness here is done away with. Um, in the sense of healed, and God does that. Um, Think about Genesis chapter one, verse one. You gotta know Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If Genesis 1-1 is true, then healing, not a problem. Now, I know we don't see a whole lot of it in our day, uh, in our world, and I think some of that is because we just have options, right? You have a headache, the first thing you think is not necessarily. Let me pray about that. Well, let me take a Tylenol. Let me take an aspirin. You know, you have a cold. You take your allergy medicine, and it's not bad. We live in a great uh, time, you know, where you don't necessarily die of of things that we used to not that long ago. But we don't necessarily bring these things to the Lord, and yet. Healing is something that God can still do. If he really is the God of Genesis 1-1, it's not a big deal for him to set these things right. Now, what we find, though, is that God doesn't always heal. Sometimes it's even better not to be healed. It doesn't sound right from our mind, but God works through difficulties in our life. Verse none of us really like, but we should know. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Brethren, all of you, <laughs> count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so, sickness is one of those trials in our life that God uses us to kind of detach us from this world and set our attention on, on Him. God does. Good things through even things we don't like, like sickness, causes us again to trust him and rely on him and not our own strength um, but here in in God's sovereign plan, he heals this man named Aeneas, and it's the great reset it's back to this point before sickness, and God's able to do that. look at verse thirty four though I think probably one of the most important things we can get from this Peter said to him Aeneas Jesus the Christ heals you Peter was was only the conduit for the healing right Peter didn't have the healing in himself you know kind of contrary to what a lot of people kind of present nowadays well I'm a healer so come to me because I'm a healer Um, Peter didn't look at it that way he said Aeneas Jesus is going to heal you. And that makes sense in the grand scheme of the book of Acts, right? That Jesus continues to work through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the Christian life, that Jesus continues to work and live and heal and move and all these different things through our life as Christians. We represent him to the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, And here, God does it again. Through Peter and through this opportunity, God heals this man named Aeneas. And it's interesting what he says Jesus the Christ heals you, arise, make your bed. (laughs) Now, I have never enjoyed making my bed. Ask my mom, never. Never really made it. Never did. Um, I think she gave up, you know. And uh, my wife now, on the other hand, she's one of those get out of bed in the bed, like must be made kind of thing. You know, fresh start to the day. We're not going to leave that thing. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning. But when she goes out of town, you know, the first time she went out of town, I did make the bed. (laughs) The second time she went to I said, what's the use? I'm going to sleep in it anyways. Until like the covers were like across the room and stuff. I didn't make the bed, you know. But here, um, Peter says, here's the first thing you're going to do is make your bed. Now, I don't know the spiritual significance of that. Maybe it was that he didn't need to go back to bed. He had spent most of his time in bed, which those of you that have experienced this, you know it. Sounds nice to be in bed for the first hour or so, but when you're forced to be in bed by something like this, it gets old. And it's if Peter says, look, no more of that. Go out and do what God's called you to do. Make your bed (laughs) until you come back again. You don't need to be there. And and yet it's the simple things of life, isn't it? That we take for granted in times like when we're healthy, It's the simple things that we wish we could do, you know, and we we take for granted making your bed. Okay, I'll make my bed. That sounds great because I can do it now. And Aeneas is, is joyful no matter what the command is. Now, notice the great reset in sickness here. Peter points to Jesus and says, it's not me, it's Jesus. Now, verse 36, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. Uh, when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made uh, when she was with them. But Peter put them all out, knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, "'Tabitha, arise.'" And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when, she had called, when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. So here in this section, we see the great reset in death. That's huge, right? Great reset in death. And it happens in a place called Joppa, coastal city. It exists today. Uh, Actually, one of the prettiest towns there in Israel, I think. Uh, I still remember it. It's right there by the coast. It's kind of built on a slope. So the streets are narrow and you have all these stairs that go up these hill, hilly kind of areas. It's a seaport. Um, Really pretty. And and um Peter is called to Joppa. Now, this may sound familiar to you. Joppa, Joppa, where do I know that from? Jonah, right? Jonah went to Joppa, right? When God called him to Nineveh, Jonah said, right, Tarshish it is. (laughs) The farthest (laughs) place I could go from what God has for me to do, the Ninevites. And he went to the port city there of Joppa and he took a, a, a boat out, a ship out, of Joppa. Um, And and so it may sound familiar to you. There in Joppa, there's a woman uh, named Tabitha, a.k.a. Dorcas, which means gazelle. Uh, I would go for Tabitha or gazelle, honestly, if I had to. But, um, (laughs) and she became sick and died. Now, death that's a nice thing to talk about this Sunday morning, death. Death is one of the most foreign things that we can imagine in life. It's a part of life. There's nothing really foreign about it, right? Because every, everything that's living does eventually die, except for like two people in the Bible, right? Um, it, it, death is a normal part of life, but it's the most foreign thing. I can still remember when my dad passed away. And it was just the most foreign thing that now I couldn't, I couldn't get to him. He was not here anymore. And there was this wall of separation. You go, it's just, just not right. And, and that's the way we feel. Um, even as believers, we know better, right? We know that heaven is a real place. And if you've trusted Jesus, that's where you're going. But Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 4.13, we don't sorrow as those without hope. But we do sorrow, right? There still is sorrow because we miss the people that have gone on before. And in here, no exception. There's this woman, Tabitha, and she dies. And her friends, all her widow friends, they miss her. And they're weeping. And they're showing all these wonderful things that she made. Oh, she she sewed this. She crocheted this, whatever. And they're just weeping, saying she was so kind. Man, that's the way you want to live, isn't it? I'm just going to say on the sideline there. You want to live that 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 one day you're missed. Right. (laughs) People look and they go, man, such a servant. So kind, so loving. Um, And she was missed. And in here they call Peter. Now, verse 40, Peter comes and he does everything the way he's been taught. Now, there's no, um, there's no process of raising the dead, right? There's no secret to raising the dead. The, the big deal here is that God's involved, right? Because again, God can do anything, Genesis 1.1. The big thing in common here is that Jesus is involved in this, but He follows the example that he had from Jesus. You'll remember in Luke chapter eight, Jesus was brought to the house of Jairus, the synagogue official, and his little daughter, 12 years old, had died. Jesus came in and said, well, she's not dead, but she's just sleeping. And the people laughed. They went from crying to laughing. And Jesus put them all out. And Jesus raised that little girl back to life. Well, Peter does the same thing here in verse 40. You notice verse 40, he put them all out. Now they weren't laughing, they were crying, but this is the way Jesus did it. Not a big show, not a big thing. Put them all out. And Peter goes and he kneels and he prays. And he actually says, Little girl, he says, Tabitha, I'm sorry, Tabitha, arise. Very close to what Jesus said, little girl, arise. The example of, of Jesus. And she opened her eyes and she sat up and he helped her up because he's a gentleman, right? <laughs> and, and there, death is defeated. The great reset on death. This is something we remember God has power over death. He's defeated death. Jesus defeated death and the power of death on the cross. Now, this was only a temporary fix, right? Uh, Tabitha, she ended up having her day where she died for reals. I mean, forever, kind of until heaven. You know, she went to heaven. It's a better way to put it. And, and, and so it was only a temporary fix, But that's one of the great things, great truths of the Bible, that death has been defeated. Paul trash talks death at one point. He says, death, where's your sting? (laughs) Because Jesus has disarmed death on the cross. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to be scared of it. Death is defeated. The Great Reset because of what Jesus has done. So check it out. In reality, God has reset sickness. He's reset death. And in chapter 10, we'll look at it next week, but he also reset the division in our life. Acts chapter 10 is another milestone. There's lots of them in the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 10, We see God calling the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And it's a big deal. And Peter's going to have a part of that. Um, But we know from Genesis chapter 11, go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 11. All the world was one language, right? After the flood, um, you know, people multiplied over the face of the earth there. But they were still like unified and together. They're building this structure up to the heavens. They're covering it with, you know, tar and pitch inside their whole thing. God's not going to flood our planet again. He's not going to destroy us through a flood. We'll we'll figure this thing out. Right. And they're building this thing. And God frustrates their language and divides them. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. We think, oh, if the world was all just together on one page and if the world was all together on one page, we would find a way to destroy ourselves. That's probably what we would do, right? God knows it, you know? Um, so in Genesis chapter 11, he frustrates their languages. He confuses them. And, you know, they went from understanding each other to just looking at each other and scratching their head. I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And And in Genesis chapter 12, God goes even further to divide the planet. In Genesis chapter 12, he calls a man named Abraham, Abram at this point. And for no good reason, really, God calls Abraham to go to a a land that he'd show him, and he would make him a people, and he would bless the world through him. And the account of Abraham is a beautiful story of God's grace for no good reason. But check it out. Genesis chapter 12, the world is further divided into Jew and Gentile, Abraham's descendants and everybody else, right? And and God had a plan in all of this, of course, but the world was divided. There were those on the inside and those on the outside. Now, it's not exactly true because God did work in the lives of Gentiles, right? Rahab, non-Jew, Gentile. God worked in her life, Ruth, non-Jew, Gentile. God worked in the life. Uh, uh, Naaman, I couldn't think of the name. Naaman, non-Jew, Gentile. The city of Nineveh, not Jews, Gentiles, right? So God does work in all of our lives, but there was this huge division in Acts chapter 10, a wall of separation, and in Acts chapter 10, God would knock it down and say, Pete, all food, clean. It's okay. You can eat it. All people, my people, the ones I want to deal with. And and obviously, God still has a plan for the the Jews, but he would knock down this huge wall of separation that divides us. It's the Great Reset. It's the way God wanted um, the world to be, back to the way he created it. And one day we'll see it perfectly and practically. God will reset things the way that they're meant to be. No more sickness, no more death. Ah, so good. No more tears, no more things to divide us. Just Jesus. And it'll be wonderful. And it'll be beautiful. And God's bringing it about. Notice here in verse 43 that God's moving things this way. He's moving towards chapter 10. Now, Peter has no idea that chapter 10 is coming. It's a shock to him even when it happens. But in verse 43, he's already brought Peter to Joppa um, because of Tabitha's death. Right. They sent for him, brought him to Joppa. He stayed many days, verse 43, with Simon, a tanner. In this, Peter's kind of preparing him. God's preparing Peter in his heart because tanners were eh, just a step higher than Gentiles there. Right. They worked with blood and guts. They were just unclean people in the Jewish mind. And so Peter lives there around it. And and God is kind of working in his life to bring him to Acts chapter 10, where a man named Cornelius, visited by an angel, we'll see in chapter 10, great, great account here in chapter 10, is going to send for Peter at Joppa. Peter's in the right place, the right mindset, the right time, and God's working That's one of those things I think we probably ought to consider, that God is working where we're at, when we're at, how we're at, right, Uh, to bring us to that place where he wants to work through our lives. We resent a lot of those things in our life. We get a little bit like discontent, like, ah, it's not where I want to be. It's not when I want to be. This is not how I want to be right now, the job I want to be doing or whatever. And God says, you know what? You don't understand. Chapter 10 is coming and Pete, you need to be in Joppa and you need to have a mindset that you're not too good to hang out with Tanners, you know, and 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 God is working towards his plan to reset things in this world. Now, again, perfectly it will happen in the very end of time, but God uses us to bring this 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 message, this good news I'm setting things the way they were before the fall. That God is restoring people and relationships and and mainly relationship with him. That's what God does. Jesus died on the cross to bring things back to the way they were. We were alienated from God outside and yet God brings us back. We get to experience a little bit of pre-fall life in a relationship with God. And he uses us to bring that into other people's lives as well. And it's a beautiful thing. And so here we see in chapter nine, chapter 10, it's a great reset. It's what God's doing. It's the good news of what Jesus has done for us. So God, thank you. Lord, we, we live in a world where there is sickness there is death. God, you use these things even for good in our life. But we know that you have power over them. We trust you in your way. God, I just pray that you would bring us that point of just knowing you, not what you've done and what you're going to do. God, to make all things new and all things right. God, thank you for dealing with the biggest problem in our life is sin. God, not just the physical death, but the spiritual death, the separation from you. God, you died so that we could be close and and know you personally. God, we just thank you for all you've done for us, the power that you've shown in our lives. We pray that you would uh, teach us these things uh, even this week.